With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales. As you've probably seen if you follow Surf Splendor on Instagram, I've picked up those two new surfboards that I've ordered from Roger Hines. And if you've been listening to this show, you've heard Roger and I discuss those boards. He was on the show discussing the design elements with the nose rider, the longboard. I'm going to actually have him on the show again in the next week or two to discuss the shortboard. Um, I've ridden both, and uh, I'm having a blast. I'm going to get into that more in future episodes. I don't want to quite break it down yet. I want to save that conversation for Roger. But um, definitely follow at Surf Splendor on Instagram just to see what those boards look like. I gave a little bit of commentary on there. And then... We also, I'll mention later in this episode when I get into it with Scott, but um, I'll say it real quickly. Surfsplendor.com forward slash donation is where you can donate to support this show. That is a brand new thing. Just introduced it last week. We've produced 139 episodes prior to introducing this. So 140 was the first donation available episode. This is the second. And, um, and I appreciate those who have donated. You can also find all past episodes on our website and everything else that we discuss in this show, the videos and photographs, links to articles, all that stuff. All right. I think that's pretty much it for this intro. I'm going to keep it a little bit short because you will hear my voice plenty over the course of the next 90 minutes or so. All right. Enjoy the show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Yeah, guy. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. It is Halloween, David. It is Monday, October 31st, 2016. And uh, welcome, everybody. And David, welcome. Thank you, Scott. I completely forgot that it was Halloween. Is that what dictated your song selection? Because that's outside your normal genre that you would play. What genre is this? Do you even know who this is? It's Shine Down. The song is Cut the Cord. One of my favorite jams. Really? I had no idea. Okay, I just shazammed it while you were. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's, that bums me out. I'm bummed. Do you know anything about Shinedown? No, I know nothing. Why would I listen to They have to 19 this? number one hits. Well, apparently, and when I shazammed it, it said that half a million other people have shazammed this song. So it's yeah. pretty popular, I suppose. Well, my cousin, Eric Bass, is the bass player for Shinedown. Oh, yeah. this is all making perfect sense. <laughs> it's all about me. <laughs> no. So uh, Eric was kind enough to let me and my dad, my 81-year-old father and my wife, we went to see Shinedown at the Honda Center in Anaheim Saturday night. Dude, if he's playing the Honda Center. 
Oh, they're huge, dude. They're huge. They they did the songs for Johnny Depp's Alice in Wonderland. Like this band. Really? Yeah, these guys are big, 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 big. Wow. Yeah. You've heard their songs, you just okay. don't realize it. You yeah. know what I mean? You're like, oh, I've heard that song before, you know? Okay. Like, I'll try to bring up some some of the other ones that are like super famous, but what does your dad think about the music? My dad's a total. Um, my dad's a, a, a great sport. You know, okay, my dad's cool. totally stoked on his nephew. Yeah, this is you know Eric. My dad is his uncle, Uncle Stan. Yeah, you know so so um, and Eric's dad is my uncle, Uncle Bill. So um, my dad's super stoked on it. You know, cool. and we we dude. They gave us all access, VIP, everything. So we sat in the right behind the monitor, the soundboard, right in the center, and like right in the floor, wow. like right on the floor. But everyone else was standing, and we were sitting in like these captain's chairs, yeah, like behind the monitor. Just we didn't even have to stand up, although we did because we were into the music. But yeah, but uh, it was awesome, shine down. So. That's why I played that song because I'm down with Shine Down. Sweet, dude. That's interesting. Yeah. I had no idea you were so closely tied to celebrity. Yeah, man. Awesome. Shine Down. Well, uh, they're so going to be touring in Europe with Iron Maiden. Wow. So I'm super amped. Like, if I could somehow get the dream flight to go see that, mm-hmm. one of those shows, Shine Down with Iron Maiden, that would be insane. And you who played with them at Anaheim? No. Nikki Six's new band. Oh, okay. 6 a.m. <laughs> they were reliving the whole, like, 1989 Gazari's on the Strip, like, you know, hair metal from yeah. L.A., 1988. My best friend's cat it was named uh, Nikki after Nikki Six. Oh, well. So there you go. See the Actually, connections? Grant. You know Grant. You remember Grant? Oh, Grant Ramey? Yeah. From um, Fiberglass Hawaii? Once Upon a Time, yeah. yeah. He doesn't work He's your friend? Anymore. Dude, we're best friends. Oh, I didn't know you school. guys were best friends yeah. from high school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's some drama there with the guys at OMEZ, <laughs> right? Isn't there some, some drama with Brad and Grant? There was. Oh, they're good now? Well, I don't know if they're good now, but I don't think there's any more drama. It's right. just water like, into the it, bridge. It's been years since that right. all passed. Okay. But yeah, Grant's living in Hawaii. He was just out here like two weeks ago, so we spent some time together. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's funny, dude. I didn't know that you didn't know. I didn't know. Um, this is boring the living shit out of uh, listeners. No talking way. about listeners your friendship with Grant Raymond. They do not know. <laughs> so I want to get into an email. Or it was a comment that was act- – first of all, we're broadcasting live from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, surfingheritage.org. We're right. We're sitting in their library. Right. I feel smarter just being here. Yeah, and you are. More cultured as well. Although your haircut would suggest that you're not really that cultured. Like, Explain like- it to the listeners. It's just got this like, it's got this like wavy, this wavy. I, it's just I don't know how to explain it. I wish I could explain it. It's just this wavy brown lop that's kind of covering a a large forehead. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Did I go too far? No, you didn't. I was waiting for either a compliment or an insult, and you, you know just me were pulling than- the slingshot back farther and farther, and then rifled it. Um, yeah, but it's thick, luscious. No, 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 no. It's more of a brown lop. Okay. Well, yeah. you said wavy. That fits the theme of right. our show and what we're doing here, right? A wave. Yes. Um, well, do we want to bring up the donation button? Yeah, let's launch. Am I that. jumping the gun? No, here? dude. It's necessary. We recently instituted a donation platform uh, That's right. for this podcast. That's exactly right. Listeners have been generously giving. Actually. They have been, and yeah. we haven't even sort of put it out there. It. Yeah, so really cool. I mean, Scott and I have discussed it uh, over the years quite a bit. 
how we might po- uh, monetize this podcast. And because of the hard work that David and I put into this podcast. Are you kidding me, dude? Like hours, relentless hours every week, right. driving the dreaded five freeway north and south for both of us. And I think this episode will prove that um, a donation on your part is not only, of course, appreciated, but is a good investment for entertainment that you're going to enjoy. And that... And that I think on some level you only get from David and I. And I'm not saying there aren't other great podcasts because there are. And I listen to them. But ours is the best. Well, (laughs) I don't know even about that. But I know that we can provide uh, what we have been providing and we will continue to provide. Well, let's put it this way. We've proven it. I mean, we've been doing this for at least, I think, three years together. And you've been doing it since 2005 on your own. So you have 500 episodes in the archives. I have 140 in the archives. So we're kind of a proven entity at this point. And we've received a number of substantial one-time donations. But another thing that's uh, available is a monthly recurring donation. And what we're recommending is that listeners donate five bucks a month. Like if you want to donate one good one for archival episodes and all the hard work and goodwill up until this point, please do. But there's also an option when you open up the PayPal link to click this, just tick a box that is monthly recurring. And look, five bucks a month, you won't, very likely, most listeners will not notice missing from their bank account. Five bucks is pretty nominal. But if we had you know, a number of listeners donating five bucks a month, that will cover our costs. It will allow us to actually expand the show. We have a lot of ideas for episodes and content that we'd like to create that would require investment, whether it's traveling, whatever. And um, that would allow us to kind of fulfill a number of those goals, create more content, that sort of stuff. So we're recommending five buck a month, monthly donations. Right. And I would like to give a shout out to those that have donated already. And Francisco Cuerva, who's a longtime listener, has donated and he says, Hey Scott, thanks for all the content you put out perpetually entertaining. Yeah, guy and get Maurice call back in here. And Keith Usher, who also generously donated, he wrote, enjoy the podcast and all the way from Victoria, Australia, our friend, Simon Kassar. And I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Simon, but uh, Simon says, cheers, legends keep pumping them out. Yeah. So right on, guys. Yeah. Thank you. And I've got a handful over here, too, including Tony Roberts, actually. Oh, cool. Our front mutual friend. Um, Tyler. I don't want to – I don't know how people want me using their last names fully or not, but Tyler, George, Robert, Hoon, Chance, who actually tweets us all the time, yeah. Jeremy, Guido, uh, Justin, Daniel, Carlos. I think Justin is – the leader for the largest single donation that has come in. So we won't say what that amount was, but Justin, shout out. Thanks for Thank that. you, Justin, for your um, generous donation. All yeah. of you, everybody, all of you that have donated so far. Yeah. So we're psyched. And uh, please, if you like the show, feel free to donate. Feel free to share the show with friends. That's another great way to help show, uh, grow the show. And uh, where do they donate, Scott? Well, they can go to your website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, and there'll be a donate button on there. Or my website, which is boardroomshow.com, and there will be a donate button right there off of the homepage. Yep. And it's pretty easy to do. Yep. Both clicking on through either site uh, gets the money to the same place. So don't worry about that. And uh, we appreciate it. And let's get into the show. The Quicksilver in Memory. I got an email from a listener that I wanted to get into before we get into the meat and potatoes. But this was actually not an email, a comment that was left on uh, surfsplendorpodcast.com. 
Uh, it says, quote, recently turned on to this and love the podcast. I've only listened to a half dozen episodes so far, and I'm pumped to check out the rest. It's cool to hear you and Scott discuss your attitude and approach to crowds hassling, crowds and hassling on this episode. Yeah. My surfing peaked in the early 2000s in my 20s, living in Southern California, but it reached its lowest last year. Combination of weight loss, variety of better boards for East Coast waves, friends, mindset, and this podcast have me back on track now. I also have been surfing a less crowded spot, and although there's usually a number of female surfers, they're never aggressive, similar to Scott's experience that he discussed on the last show. This makes all the difference. Thanks for all that you do. So a couple of things about that comment. I love that it's a new listener. I mean, we have a lot of ongoing banter back and forth with other listeners who have been listening for years that we always have these dialogues going with. But it's cool to see somebody who's like, dude, I just found this six episodes ago. Um, the other thing that resonated with me about this was just losing your passion for surfing and surfing less and gaining weight and then that preventing you from surfing. Him going through that experience, I've gone through that at different times, and then getting new boards and the board's psyching him up, and then this podcast psyching him up to surf more, too, is actually a really cool thing. So, that is cool. Well, yeah. right on. Yeah. Good stuff. I got an email here from Jake. He says, Scott, listening to the podcast for a while now, and I wanted to comment on a few things. First, thanks for the encouragement for getting in the water. So similar to yeah, your yeah. email, right? The locals have been pretty accepting, and I've been surfing three to four times a week in South Orange County here in California over the past year, which has really changed my life for the better. Second... You often comment on the fact that surf movies have become generic and cliche. Here's a video that I'm sending along a link to. It's taken at churches. The waves are insane. And in my opinion, it's pretty unique. The style, even though it doesn't feature a bunch of hot shortboarders throwing airs, is captivating nonetheless. Kind of sad, though, that people can't just relax and share the waves. As a beginner, I try so hard to abide by the etiquette and stay out of people's way. But no matter what, I somehow always seem to be able to piss someone off. Hilarious. As if I'm trying to ruin their day. But I just throw them the peace sign and keep paddling because I don't want bad vibes in the water. So that's interesting, right? Because it's so... I know that I'm sensitive to um, quickly just immediately go to the worst possible case scenario in my little pea brain regarding newcomers. And um, I think Jake's email sort of speaks to, hey, how about a little bit of tolerance? Mm -hmm. You know, how about putting yourself in their shoes, a little bit of empathy? You know, just because you rip and think you're the hot shit at the hot spot and blah, 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 and that they somehow deserve to bow down to you. How about going, hey, you know what? No problem. I've been there before, too. Everyone starts sometime. Welcome to the lineup. You know, thanks for the peace sign. Let's move on. Yeah. And that, I think, is rare. I think that we're all so quick to kind of like, kind of, you know, draw a line in the sand and entrench ourselves in this ego that we have and go, ugh, you're lame, man. Yeah. I think uh, Jake's email sort of speaks to, hey, how about some tolerance? Sometimes these guys are trying really hard to, to stay out of our way. They just don't know how or they're they're trying and they just failed at this one particular moment. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I had a funny experience this weekend at the pier, surfing Northside Huntington. Did you scream at somebody? No, not quite. I was paddling out and a dude took off on a left and like in front of me, kind of past my line of where I was paddling out, just barely though. And I duck dove. He like wiped out kind of in front of me and just to the right. And then I duck dove under the wave and we both kind of came up next to one another. And it wasn't dangerous, but it was a little bit 
I mean, we came up close to one another, so I thought maybe he would apologize and be like, hey, man, you cool? And I was I was already going to go, yeah, no worries, like, no big deal. But I came up, and we made eye contact, and I just kind of said, hey. And he looks at me, and he goes, hey. And he puts his finger up, and he goes, love the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I already had my, like, no worries chambered, so I almost just said, hey, no worries. And then I kind of thought for a second. I was like, no way. And he goes, yeah, man, I love it. And I was like, that is so funny. That's classic. And he's like, and he's like, yeah, man, no worries. I was like, oh. And then he like caught a wave in and just bailed. And I was like, that was so amazing. And I'm sure he saw me earlier in the session and maybe right. identified me. Where he heard your voice. Because I hear a lot of yeah. people go, oh, I know David's voice really well. And Actually, so, yeah. th- that happened two days prior when I was walking up the beach. Somebody said, how are the waves? And I'm like, oh, it's all right. And he goes, dude, I, I recognize your voice. Yeah. But um, but this guy must have recognized me earlier because there's no way that he just came out of the water and recognized me that moment. You know? no. Or he just saw that you're kind of a kook. And he's like, I know must that guy's been. surf style is really lame. So that must be David. Must have been that, too. Sorry. He's like, I heard Scott mention his hair one time. <laughs> that guy has that exact same hair. By the way, we've never surfed together. Have we ever surfed never. together? Never. I have no idea how you surf. I so I was just kidding when I said that, of course. Well, but no, but I refuse to surf with you. Why? Um, just I'm taking a moral stance. I don't no, <laughs> that's all code for, dude. Here's the deal: you, we need to go surfing together, and I promise that we will have a good time together. And there, for at least an hour, there won't be, any, <laughs> there won't, <laughs> won't be, be any subjective. Hassling. No, there won't. <laughs> no, 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 dude. I'm I'm such a sweetheart. We sh- Let's every let's ride every wave together. And that will not happen. Come on! But let's what we left. could do is invite a listener to surf with us. Ooh! Let's get into the show for yeah, God's sake. Enough about us. Quicksilver in memory of Eddie Icow has been canceled. Did you know about this? Did you read about this? This happened yesterday morning. Beach Grit put out a story. I do know. And um, I do know. Yes, not yesterday morning. Two days ago. But yeah, two days yeah, ago. Yeah. So. Quicksilver's pulled out of the Eddie, and I have some backstory for you. Juicy. Breaking news. Very well-placed sources Identify giving me- Identify him. I can't. Identify the source, Scott. No. This is pirate radio. We can right. do whatever we want. All right. So give it to me then. I heard from someone very close to the situation that um, Red Bull did take a long look at this Eddie Icow event, but would only throw money at it if Quicksilver agreed- to run the event as they have in the past. In other words, it would be co-branded. Red Bull didn't want to do it on their own, mostly because Quicksilver has a relationship with the WSL and would and the WSL would allow surfers to then compete in the event. Whereas, as you and I know, Red Bull has had a sort of on-again, off-again, um, positive-negative relationship with the WSL. They don't necessarily see eye-to-eye. So if Red Bull took it over, the potential that all the top surfers wouldn't be able to surf in it kind of turned Red Bull like off. Like we saw with the Red Bull Cape Fear event this year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the same source is telling me that he or she heard discussions involving Red Bull that they may in some fashion try to take over the big wave tour and that the Eddie event would have then been a part of that. Hmm. Now that I think has been squashed or quashed. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, try to take over the big wave world tour. What they can't do, have a hostile takeover. I mean, I mean, does that mean buy it from right. them, or does that mean maybe reach out with an olive branch to the WSL? Again, this is just a source that's telling me this. That's well placed. Um, the same source is telling me that in regards to the Eddie event, the ICAO family 
said that they had someone who that they would want to actually run the event, take the event from Quicksilver and run the event, that they can actually do a better job at producing a TV webcast. So I see that there's probably some people on the islands that run events like the event that's happening now, the HIC event, um, that are like, hey, we can do the Quicksilver yeah. event, Clyde, you know, reaching out to the ICAO family. And they're like, hey, yeah, let's do that. Because um, whereas Red Bull's like, look, we'll do the TV and Quicksilver will do a great job with the contest and we'll just pay the iCows the normal fee that they normally get from Quicksilver. Right. In this instance, the iCows wanted to position themselves in a place where I think they see millions of dollars on the table. Mm-hmm. Whereas Quicksilver is like, dude, this costs us money. You know, like you might think that there's a lot of money here, but there's not. Yeah. So, um, well, do you have any... Quicksilver has the permit? No, they don't, though. The The window for the permit for 2017 is closed, and they didn't get their paperwork in in time, so the event's not going to happen. Did I say 2016? 2017. My sources tell me that the ICAO family tried to go around Quicksilver, and and get and Clyde was going to get the permit, but because Quicksilver's so tied in somehow with city bureaucracy, city-county Honolulu bureaucracy, that they somehow still have access to the permit and maybe they didn't submit it again this is just kind of like um you know i don't have all the answers here so do you have some insight into that yeah i mean the the stories that i read which were on surfline and beach grit uh by rory parker on beach grit said that the um i'll read you the exact quote this quote was from the city deputy managing director georgette demur says the city has been working hard to find a way to make this happen, but it looks like their hands are tied. Quote, we certainly understand how important the Eddie is to people of the of Honolulu and the state and the world because it's such an iconic event. We have met with Clyde Icow. We have looked at it from every angle for the 2016-2017 season, but the permit process has closed. It was closed in 2015. And see, so what I'm what I'm hearing is that Quicksilver has access to submit the permit for the next event, and that they're thinking about opening it up to an event that not only honors Eddie but also honors a lot of other big wave surfers. And in fact, Duke's name came up as an yeah. example of a contest that went away, and that maybe could come back, um, and and Mark Fu, and so they could have this event at. at at Waimea that honors Eddie, Duke, Mark Fu, Scion, all of these big wave surfers that have passed and and make it sort of a different angle. And I think in that way, Quicksilver all of a sudden isn't tied to the iCal family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have also heard that Quicksilver has agreed to continue to pay the iCal family um, the fee that they pay them every year, hmm. just as a gesture of, hey, let's keep the lines of communication open here. We're not trying to like shut this down, but we're losing money here doing this event and we just can't do it anymore until things turn for us uh, from a business standpoint. Yeah. And again, I, I think that the iCows were probably looking at this and going, there's a lot of money here. Yeah. And the Quicksilver's looking at it and going, no, it's a big expense. And where in fact the truth lies is probably somewhere in the middle. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think the idea that you just said about honoring a lot of other big wave surfers who have died would be a nice pivot because if there if a pivot is going to happen, that would be the right pivot to make because 
Quicksilver and Eddie, the Eddie event, are so inextricably linked because they've been doing it for 30 years. Like, there's no way that this now becomes the Red Bull in memory of Eddie Aikau. It's just, that's a tough transition. Well, and for many years, they've branded it as the Quicksilver. Yeah, exactly. So I think that the right transition to make is there is a new big wave event at for whoever the sponsor is, whoever's putting money into this event that wants to get the most out of their marketing. The direction they need to take it is rebranding, include the iCal family, but also layer in, you know, the other tributes that we can make. I guess Donnie Solomon. Yeah, there you, know. you go. Right. And Chesser, Todd Chesser. Yeah. So there's what interests me is. Is there an opportunity for whoever, let's say Hurley or let's say Sony or whoever, right? Some big hitter, Nike, whatever. It doesn't matter. Starbucks. Somebody comes up and goes, hey, well, why is there a void here? Let's fill the void. We want to be a part of this. Who then do they go and approach? Do they go to the iCows? Do they go to Quicksilver? Do they go to the city and county? They probably have to go to all three. At some point, they probably have to go to Fast Eddie Rothman and go, hey, Mm-hmm. My name's blah, 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 you know. So there's a lot of um, politics that has to be maneuvered around and which apparently has been going on for the past year or so. And let's be honest. I think the politics in Hawaii and on the North Shore for permits for contest is a little grayer than maybe politics elsewhere. Like we say that this per- this window to get the permit has closed. Is that a hard close? Or is there well, a way I to think get for the this permit year to... it is. I okay. think for this year it's a hard close. But, you know, it's politics. You I know mean, what I mean, though? Yeah, 100,000 will open it up. But in Hawaii specifically, where it's kind of like, I just feel like, yeah. I don't know, there's a different set of rules there than there is in Orange County, California. Yeah, that could know. be the case. I, I don't know. But, you know, so sadly, this event's gone by. Um, you know, we all as fans want to see this event. This event's insane. I mean... When you think about it, John John Florence is going to is John John Florence the last Hawaiian to win the Eddie Aikau event? The last human ever? The last human ever. Is he? Very well could be. Who won the last Duke? You know, and I think about the Duke contest which was a big deal when I was a kid. You never would have thought that would have went away. No, and you can't to this day you're like you're kidding me. They don't honor the Duke with a surf contest somewhere? Right. What a joke. Although they do have the Duke Festival in the summer in, in town, which it's is not the same. Well, I mean, it does a good job of honoring Duke. Of the course. statues there, yeah, but and, I mean, it's not the same. It's doing a well. It's not like you know. It's not the way it was when Duke was out there at Sunset Beach and Greg Knoll was going against Felipe Pomar and you know Ben Ipa mm-hmm. and all these guys. You know, like it's not the way it was. Well, the other thing is, can we ever really live up to what was the last Eddie event with the waves as big as they've ever been? As like. Uh, good as they've ever been, John John winning the thing like that just was the most classic moment when Clyde Ike's like, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. Clyde surfed the he's event. Like, and yeah, he's yeah, 62 he's 66 years old. or something. Yeah. So in a way, it's kind of like it's it, there's a lot of closure here, yeah. right? Clyde kind of hung it up. John John won the thing. The waves were huge. Closed out the lifeguard. You know, all of these things that amazing. you mentioned. It's a good time to kind of close the the chapter. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, to be honest. I thought about it. Do I care? Like, here's a news story. The Eddie won't go anymore. Or the Eddie with the Quicksilver rendition of the Eddie event won't be happening anymore. And I was like, I don't know. Do I really care? Like, ultimately, there will be another Waimea event in the near future, whether it's this year, which probably won't be based on what we're I do reporting. care. I, I think the answer but, is yeah. But if there's just a better – or I'm that's a – 
assumption on mine that the next iteration will be better. But if there's another Waimea event two years down the road, I'm fine no, with but that. To see, I think that there's there's actually, and this is going to sound wishy-washy, but I think there's a spiritual element to the Eddy event as opposed to, yeah, we're just going to run three heats at 30-foot Waimea. You know, I I just feel like the whole Eddie vibe, the, there's a lot yeah, of yeah, mana yeah. there that that I just feel makes it special. I mean, especially if you're there, if you've ever been there, mm-hmm. it's pretty insane. Everyone's there. The spirit of Eddie is in the air for whatever that means, and it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But And there's this... You know, Eddie was like the ultimate Hawaiian. In many ways, he was like the Duke. You know, he was just this quiet guy who loved the ocean, went out there, charged it, would give himself up and did give himself up for his fellow man. Like, there's a lot of great backstory and aura. And there's just a great, like I say, mana that surrounds this thing known as the Eddie. And it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't disagree with any of that. Thank you. You're welcome. Nice hair to you. (laughs) <laughs> I think we need to Instagram it now. We need a visual of it since you're talking so much crap. John John Florence has won Portugal and the world title. Wow. Seems I never, like a, I, I was seems unaware like a month ago. Yeah, when, really? What are your oh, thoughts on this? Um, well, it was a little... Uh, obviously, we love John John. Everybody's thrilled to see John John. Like I love him as a surfer. I think he's the greatest. Is anyone not happy besides like maybe no, we're all Jordy happy. Smith? We're something. all happy. But what I will say is something's God, wrong. A, no, no, no. Something's it's wrong. Just, it's just a little lackluster for it's it to happen just, at this point in the year. Yes. Pre-pipeline, before the event even ended. It's not like he won the contest, then won the world title. No, he won it in the semifinals. So it the just The world feels, tour is broken. It feels anticlimactic. It is anticlimactic. And, and Tyler Wright on the women's side did the same thing. She clinched it pre-pipe as well. I don't care what spin the WSL and Dave Prodan put on this. You cannot be happy with your tour, any tour, any professional tour around the world ending prematurely and anticlimactically. Pipeline is our Super Bowl. And now the Super Bowl doesn't hardly mean a thing, although the spectacle of Pipeline is always there. But it can't be good. It's not good. And... Uh, something needs to be done. You know, similar to NASCAR and golf, they have this golf has the FedEx Cup where they have figured out a way to make points lead up to a thing whereby the last event of the year, anyone can win it. Mm-hmm. And there's a tiered point system to it. So, for instance, if you're in the top five, you're in control of your own destiny. If you win, you win. And if you're in the top 10, you can win the event, but you need people in the top five to drop out. Okay. Again, whatever, I'm not the expert to figure out the format for this, but it doesn't take an expert to realize that this is not right. Yeah. Pipeline needs to be super. Yeah. It needs to be a super bowl for the sponsors, for the fans, for the, for the athletes, for the sport of surfing. This is not good. And I've said this for 15 years. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And now there is another option. Say, for instance, somebody goes, there's just no way we can change it. It's just for whatever reason, like they can't get the algorithm correct, which I find ridiculous. There is a way to do this. And all you have to do is reach out to NASCAR or golf or these other organizations that have figured out a way so that their season never ends until their Super Bowl. But if that doesn't happen, 
Tell me this. Who won the, who won the Triple Crown last year? Exactly. Nobody fucking knows. And the reason nobody knows is because nobody cares. Yeah, jeez. And I, why don't we care? Because the Triple Crown isn't as big a deal as it needs to be. And the Triple Crown could be the answer to this problem. If you made the Triple Crown a big effing deal, then Pipeline would be a big effing deal. So if you made the Triple Crown, say, each event, let's just say, first of all, we got to get it on people's radar, right? So right now, nobody knows anything about the Triple Crown except, oh, yeah, there's the Triple Crown. That's basically what you hear. Oh, yeah, the Triple Crown. And then there's this wah, wah kind of sound in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can guarantee that the Triple Crown, each event is worth $100,000 to the winner. Mm-hmm. And the overall champion of the Triple Crown gets $1 million and the first alternate spot on the WSL's WCT the next year. Yeah. So cute. now you and I as fans are like, oh, yeah, I got to watch the Triple Crown. I actually got to go watch the Reef event Yeah, because they're giving away $200,000 to the winner. And now there's this little mini tour inside of a tour that we care about. Before there was a mini tour inside of a tour, but nobody cared about. It. Right. So we have to increase the prestige of the Triple Crown. As an option B to what should really be option A, Pipeline needs to determine the winner of the champion each and every year. Mm-hmm. I thoughts. like it. That's Your a thoughts. great idea. I think it's a great idea. Uh, would you like to know who won the 2015 Triple Crown? Since I'm going to guess. Yeah, you'll never guess. Okay, if I would never guess. That's a big clue. Okay, if I would never guess. <laughs> um. Is it an Australian? No. Is it a Hawaiian? No. Kaloe? No. Is it a Brazilian? Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Italo. Gabriel. Oh, Gabe Medina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, but that's my but, point. The fact well, that, that is my point. The that's number exactly, one, one yeah. of the best surfers in the world won it, and we don't even give a shit. Yeah. That's it, a problem. I, and when I read his name right now, it didn't even jog a memory from last year. It's like, how like, did it happen? No, it, no, it's not like, oh, I remember when he won that. It was yeah. like, no, it happened. But he also, I think, won the Pipe Master. Oh, no, Adriano won the Pipe Masters last year. But, you know, it was like, I, I don't know. It just yeah, exactly. Cares. That's my point, yeah. right? It's just lame. The triple crown is lame. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be. And somehow they've got to figure it out, you know, because Vans owns it, I believe, or they license the rights to it. I don't know how it works. Yeah, but, they do. But it either that becomes more prestigious, or really, frankly, that idea needs to be off the table. What needs to happen is pipeline. In fact, both could happen. Mm-hmm. Pipeline ends with the Super Bowl of surfing. And the Triple Crown gets ramped up to a place that you and I are like, you know what? It does matter that I watch this event because the winner gets, I would even be like, the winner should get a million dollars at each event. Mm-hmm. Let's give a million dollars to each Triple Crown winner, million dollar check. All of a sudden, the surfers are stoked. You know, Joel Parkinson doesn't even do the Triple Crown. He won it three years in a row, by the way. Well, and there's there's backstory as to why he doesn't do it because I understand that he didn't get paid. Oh. But... I'm sure there's two sides to every story there. I don't know what that's what I heard through the grapevine. Hmm. But my point is, is nobody gives a shit. And that's not the way it should be. We should all care. Yeah. And I think, let me ask you this. If each event, the winner was getting a million dollars and also had the opportunity as the overall 
Triple Crown winner to now be the number one alternate mm-hmm. on next year's WCT Tour, would that create more interest for you, David? Definitely more so option B. Like if they're going to be the number one alternate on next year's World Tour. The money's that, not as big that, a deal. Well, to me, that appeals more as the viewer. Right. The million dollars appeals to the surfer more, of course. Right, right. But it would take them a long time to earn the million on the CT. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. But um, yeah, knowing that there'll be an alternate would really be incredible. I mean, that would open up something. For, well, it opens up a lot for the Hawaiian guys. I mean, first could of you all. imagine like Olamana Eliogram? Exactly. I'm a huge fan of. Exactly. He'll never be on tour, but that will give him the opportunity to potentially be on tour. Exactly. You know? And there's guys that have won the Triple Crown, like Seabass. And and even further back, where like um, who's the guy, the regular foot, older guy, uh, anyway. Pancho Sullivan. Well, that's a great example. Pancho would be a great example. He could win the Triple Crown this year. Miles Padaka. <laughs> Miles is the guy I was thinking of. Oh, really? So Miles is the guy. Like Miles has won it, I think, twice, right? But there's no way he's going to be on the WCT. But it wouldn't it be cool if Pancho or Miles or Ola or whoever, yeah. like you know, like. Keanu is seeing like it gives the opportunity Joel Santia it gives these guys an opportunity in their home turf to all of a sudden just ramp up to the number one alternate and I think Hawaii is deserving of that not the surfers as much as the mojo around the Hawaiian Islands and where the sport is from but by the way the Triple Crown isn't only open to Hawaiians, though. I mean, Joan no. Daru could come in from France right. and win it. No, you know? for or- sure. But it does benefit the Hawaiians because if yeah. if, if everything works out, it's an 8 to 10 foot Haleiva. Haleiva yeah. And it's in 12 to 15 foot sunset. Yeah. And you know, I'd, I'll tell you right now, my number one pick who I would want to see win that and then be the alternate, alternate Ezekiel Lau. There you go. That Another kid? great example. Or, by the way, Jamie O'Brien could all of a sudden. Oh, my gosh. You good know. Call. I mean, and, and yeah, you know, so it's kind of interesting. I think that would be a, a fun thing to do, and yeah. it wouldn't, you know, look, make the make the change. You know, like yeah. I know people, there's naysayers who are like, oh, well, that would ru- you know ruin this, or it might upset the statistics, or whatever. You know, well, what? if they implement this, we'll still find a way to complain about. Oh, it. Oh, for sure, <laughs> I've already figured out. I'm about to go into why it's no good. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think it needs to happen, yeah. and for sure, pipelines are Super Bowl. For God's sakes, make it super. Yeah. I see this as a fail. 
Like this yeah. isn't like it just creeped it crept up and it only happens this year. This no, is it this has been time. a problem yeah. for a long time. I mean, I think it used to be when Brazil was in October that the event would end in Brazil a yeah. few times. I think Aki won it in Brazil. Yeah. That's yeah. boring. We don't. I mean, I don't know. Do You're we do boring a postmortem me. on the season now, or do we save it till after pipe? I, Doesn't it feel like the season's over? Well, yes, it, it totally does. And it was such a topsy turvy year. I mean, with Wilco winning, with Seabass winning an event, um, Keanu Asing won an event. It's just been like so wild. It almost makes me feel like John John's world title is going to have a little asterisk next to it, like the way CJ Hobgoods does. Because it wasn't no, a it's not year. as much as it's CJ not as Hobgoods. much. It, well, the the opposite, opposite argument could actually be made because it's a very highly contested year. There was a lot of guys vying for the title. The fact that John John closed it early kind of came as a shock to me. Because I was thinking, weren't there like five, five guys or in the six running? guys in the yeah. running? How did they all get knocked out here? But that's it's, just... But it's not like CJ. CJ's ended in September with like five events, four or five events left. I, I think that... No, you're right. It doesn't. It's not the same as CJ's. But I do think there is a little bit of an asterisk where it's like, John John won it, but not when Kelly was at the top of his game. He Not when Gabriel is really doing the best that Gabriel does. Next year, I think we could see kind of some best performances. And that actually segues into Kelly commenting that he will be back for next year. Did you see that? Well, what's even more interesting is the way that, um, what's that European surf site? One of the sites, or maybe it was Surfing World or Surfing Australia. I forget which one. They, the way they framed it is Kelly Slater's retiring, which is a really great way to frame this. This is his last year. Like he's never announced this oh, before. Right. 2017. Will 2017 be will be his last year. I See, that sets thing. up a lot of interesting stuff for me. Like now, all of a sudden, be, it's like it's like Kobe Bryant. It's like okay, the farewell tour. Here right. we go. Every event. This is the last time he's going to do it. He's said it. He's never said this before. I agree. So the idea that he's retiring. That kind of shook me. Like, I saw the headline. It said, Kelly Slater is retiring. I'm like, oh, just the other day, he said he was continuing. And then I realized, but he said this will be his last year. He didn't say that specifically. He's leaving it open. But he, well, I'm glad that somebody's framing it like he's retiring. because. Well, no, I agree that he actually did essentially say that, even though it wasn't explicitly He stated. said, I think I'm going to make one more stab at a title next year and really but try to put a year one together. One more stab at a title. Right. You know what I mean? So he's not saying he's not going to surf the following year. But let me ask you this. Has he ever committed to this the early? following year no. this early in the no. season? He no. never has. So I mean, maybe in, early in his career, it was just a given that he was going to continue to surf. But, but he gets asked. From like 06 on, yeah. Yeah. it's been, I, mean, I don't know. Let me check. He I'm gets like, asked all the time. Hey, man, are you going to surf next year? He'll get asked at pipe all the time. And then he always says, yeah, he waffles back and forth. And then he shows up and wins world titles. But this is the first time where he's ever committed, which I think indicates a couple of things. You're right. He's looking at retirement. But secondly, I think it indicates a fire in him that we haven't seen before. The fact that he needs to state that he's going for a world title means he understands that these kids are gunning for it harder than he has been. Gabriel Adriano in particular, and certainly John John now, like these guys have their sights set on world title. If you don't, Kelly, you clearly can't win it. You can't win it from these guys. They've yeah, you just can't walk in anymore and be the guy. They've been spanking you, dude. So what's really interesting about what you just said is that in many ways, Kelly's telling his his um, 
entourage and his business associates and all of the people that he does business with like, hey, man, hold the F on. Hold on here. Because guess what? I've spent some time with Outer Known this year. I spent some time with the Wave Pool. I spent some time with my surfboard company. I spent some time. Perps. Omaz, whatever. Omaze, whatever the hell. I'm telling you, all of my business people right now, that stuff's all on the back burner next year because I'm going for it. And um, something interesting came up, which is, okay, what boards are, are, is Kelly going to choose? What boards is he going to ride? And I know they're going to be different, but I, a lot of us agree, hey, Kelly really looked good on that dumpster diver in, in 2011 or whatever it was. You know, like there was a, there was a certain... Channel Islands, Polly. There was blank. a certain time yeah. when... On the Channel Islands, he looked very fresh, and yeah. he's gone through a lot, which we all praise that he's going through these different boards stuff, and that's all great, and it's good for whatever. But let's make sure that he gets really tuned into a good set of surfboards, and he stays true to that set through the season. One thing, right? Mm-hmm. So his equipment, I think, really needs to get dialed, and he's spoken to that. Let's not have a year of experimental surfboards for Kelly. The second one... Um, point which I thought was quite fascinating that I read online. I can't take credit for this. Belly. Stephen Bell. Will Belly be in his corner? How important is it for Belly to be in his corner? In the past, he's gone to Margaret's and had Mitch Thorson there as his buddy or what. And I don't even know what that means. Like Mitch goes, yeah, line up here and go go, go over there for a pastry. Like he knows the good place to get coffee or something. Like, do, do we really, does Kelly really need Mitch Thorson? I, for, for lineups, I doubt it. I think what's important here is a mental coach, which I think Belly is that guy. So boards, Belly, and that equals the proper mindset, right? I think those things are important. Yeah, well, they certainly proved to be important for Matt Wilkinson this year and Tyler Wright, who had Glenn Hall as their coach, uh, and that paid dividends for them. So I think the co- – and John John Florence, by the way, worked with coaches throughout this year, B. Durbich being one of them. So I think that that bodes well for the idea of a coach. And but I think, in particular, Belly, because he, right. there's yeah. a sense of, oh, I've won world tours with this guy's on my side. And Belly's more than a coach. Right. He's a partner. Exactly. You know, he's a partner that travels, takes care of stuff, like pats you on the back, understands the psychology that you're going through. If you're Kelly, do you call Belly and go, hey, man, here's the deal. Here's how much I'm paying you. I need you full time. Yeah. You know, like, does it go down like that? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. I think that's the way. Well, firstly. And what does Belly say? No, it's cool. We're bros. I'll do it for free. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Kelly's earning, then he should be earning. Right. So the, for listeners who don't know, Stephen Bell works for Quicksilver, and that's why he and Kelly started working together back in the day was Kelly was with Quicksilver. So when Kelly parted ways from Quicksilver, we're assuming that he and Stephen Bell don't work together anymore. But maybe they do. I, I'm not sure. But the fact that he brought on Mitch Thorson at Margaret indicates that they weren't. So, yeah, interesting. I'm not sure, but I think that would be a good strategy. Just so listeners know, we're talking about Kelly announcing his retirement. He did it via Instagram. He said, quote, my last, it was a photo of him getting spit out of a wave in Portugal. And he said, quote, this is my last wave in Portugal the other day. Sick little bank with just Pat O'Connell and myself, hugely inspired by the young guys on tour these past few months and what John John Florence has accomplished this year. So next year, I'm going to get my stuff and my body together for real and see if I can make a last run at a title. Then I'll go back to finding the best waves on earth till my last day before freeze-drying my body and using it as plant food to make a koa and monkey pod tree on my property. 
and take the carbon from my ashes and make a diamond from it for my family. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is funny. But, so, but he's ultimately saying, making a last run at it. Which another thing he said was get my body back together. I know that he's complained about nagging back injuries. And I've seen him posting photos drinking on Instagram as well, you know, which isn't the end of the world. But like, I think that he probably has let certain things go and he's enjoyed life a little bit. And and I, as I stated, I do think part of this is to tell his business people, hey, man, didn't you read my Instagram? Like all that stuff's on hold, mm-hmm. you know, and if you and I see that stuff happening as fans, we're mm-hmm. going to be like, I thought you said you were putting 110% into this. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe those aren't his words, but I got a question for you. Yeah. Maybe this is more cosmic than it is intentional. Kelly Slater has 11 world titles. It's a good, there's a great chance that he will never get a 12th. John John Florence's jersey number is 12. Yeah, I've, I've noticed this. Yeah. Is this the first shot across the bow for John John's going for 12 world titles? John John, not only is his jersey number 12, the title of his series that Hurley's been doing on YouTube is called 12. Do we have any idea they, what the 12 references? I don't. Is it Tom Brady? I don't. And, and But that's my question is, I don't know that it's even intentional, a shot across the bow, John John saying, I'm going to win 12 when you only won 11, or if this is just cosmic. This is John just John numerology. Picked, John John just picked it because he like Tom Brady's... I'm sure that's not Tom Brady's number, actually. <laughs> it is Tom Brady's oh, is number. It? Oh, okay. Yeah. So John John picked it because he loves Tom Brady, maybe. But there's this greater entity at work that is... Indicated. Somebody must know why John John chose 12. Either well, it, Pizel or Peter King or I thought it was funny Hurley, to see. somebody Evan or Pat O'Connell, somebody knows. So when John John was winning in Portugal, Hurley had printed up stickers that say 12 and hats that say 12 to honor John John's win. And I thought it was pretty funny to see Kelly Slater wearing that sticker on his chest with a number 12 on it. I don't yeah, know if the, Kelly even saw the humor in it. No, I'm sure he did. He's but I was not, just yeah, like, Kelly's wearing the 12. Yeah. For the young man who's destined to win 12, you know? Yeah. But to, there's, mean, there's a lot of numerology things you could do there for yeah. sure. Yeah. So from the WSL standpoint, from a production standpoint, from, from you and I, from our standpoint, this provides a lot of uh, entertainment possibilities. Um, the WSL at each event, they go, to, they go to the Gold Coast in February, March for the Quicksilver Pro. How many times has Kelly Slater been in that event? What did he look like in his first event? Can you show us footage from that surf event and then show us footage from last year's event and show like there's so many opportunities now that we know that this is his last year for the WSL to provide us at each and every turn some sort of relevance to Kelly back then and now and to really kind of help highlight his dominance and reign as the king of pro surfing and I'm anticipating great things from the WSL production staff. Did he have hair back then? You know, like there's so many fun things you can do, you know? Yeah. What episode of Baywatch was was he in when he won that world title? Like there's so many different things that you can do with this now that you know you have this farewell tour. Yep. And I'm not sure if Kelly wants that sort of framework or that around it, but it is what it is. I think it adds and, a different element of pressure for sure, for sure it does. He'd rather just do it secretively, probably. But yeah, interesting. I think next year's title race will be a barn burner. Like 
I think John John's going to come in hotter than he's ever come in. And I know this year he's been training and working with a coach, which he wasn't before. So I think that's going to get ramped up. I, I think, think there'll be a sophomore slump. Gabriel Medina. Well, there has been for all the other World right. Title winners in recent right. years. Gabriel, Adriano. So I think Gabriel and Adriano are coming in hotter than ever. Those guys. Where's Mick? What's Mick Fanning going to do? Is Mick Fanning coming back? I mean, he's currently in contention to qualify. Um, even though he didn't do most of the events this year, he did really well enough to. I'll look up his ranking while we're talking. But I think McFanning's done. You think so? Yeah. See, I think he'll come back. I'm not saying he won't surf on tour. Yeah. I just think that he's ranked 17th, by the way. So he's, he's won a lot of events. He's how many? Three world titles. Yeah. He got to take the year off, and I'm sure it fit him just fine. You know, like I don't know. I can't speak for his mindset, but the one thing about Mick is he does not have a robust air game. You cannot say that about Kelly. Kelly yeah. can actually. Do stuff in the air that's oh, that's insane. Yeah, and Mick just simply doesn't have that. Yeah, and depending on the waves as they pan out through the year, that can go against him. Yeah, kind of like Taylor Knox. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, yeah, he's the best surfer in the world, except he doesn't do airs. Yeah, and what if this year Taylor or Mick's been working on his air game and he comes back and goes to snapper and busts like a full rotor? Like that would be cool, yeah. but I doubt it greatly. I do too. <laughs> so I just kind of see Mick as, as like, yeah, you know what? I'll do the tour for a couple more years and I'll I'll get six and I'll win at J Bay or what. You know, like he'll be in the You don't contention. think he'll make a title run? No. I don't. And I could be wrong. Maybe I am. And this yeah. is all just me kind of like I'm basing this on nothing other than, hey, I've got three world titles. I got to take the year off. It felt pretty good. Yeah, I've got a contractual obligation with rip curl to kind of show up and be the man and i will be the man and i will do really well in events but i'll be you know between fifth and tenth you know like he yeah. might be in the running for a title going into margaret's or something and then get a 25th I, you know well, he's, again i'm just kind of riffing here of but. course no but he's 35 years old which compared to kelly's 45 looks spry but what what's you that think look for? kelly looks you, you think Mick Manning no, no. looks lighter on his feet than No, Kelly? he doesn't. He right. doesn't. I'm just saying age-wise. The number itself. 35 looks young compared to 45, but 35 is old by professional surf standards. So what you're saying has some legitimacy. You know, like of course you, it He does. could very well... Re- of course it does. As if you're the all-knowing. All- <laughs> so, no, but... So, you're right. 35 is not old to retire in surfing. It would be a very reasonable decision for Mick to make. But again, Kelly's redefining what's reasonable and what's not. If Kelly yeah, were to Kelly's win, not Mick. If Kelly were to win the world title Mick's at 45 Kelly. next year, that's the oldest world title winner ever, right? For sure. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. Um, okay, here's another thought. You say Mick can't make a run. Is Kelly qualified to win a 12th next year? Yes, he so? is. Okay. I do think so. And I think everybody does. And I, and I think that this – I hope this scares the John Johns and the Gabriels and the Philippes and the Adrianos a little bit. That he's kind of going, hey, oh, by the way, I'm going to give a shit next year. I think John John's more scared of Gabriel and I think – and Jordy than he is of Kelly at this point. Yeah, and I would agree with you that John John and Gabriel aren't that – concerned i mean they're concerned with kelly but the mind game that kelly may or may not be trying to apply here doesn't affect those two guys yeah and maybe not felipe i will agree with you in terms of kelly's ability to win a 12th i think that he 
always has the ability to surprise everybody and to do the unexpected. So I think he can show up and blow up when you least expect it. That is his magic. However, based on performances from the past couple of years, I don't think that a 12th is likely. He he hasn't shown up and blown up often enough to make me think that 2017 will be any different than if I was to put odds on Kelly Slater, yeah. and I was asked you to put odds yeah. on Kelly Slater, is it 10 to 1? Is it 8 to 1? Is it 5 to 1? Is it 2 to 5? What, or is it even money? It's not even money. 5 to 1? 8 to 1. 8 to 1. Yeah. 8 to 1. Yeah. Place $1 to win 8. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Eight to one sounds right. What really needs to happen for Kelly is the waves need to be really good throughout the the whole year. Totally. Like quick, the snapper, the the bars need to be good, and it needs to be barrels. Yeah. Um, bells is bells. It needs to be big. Margaret River, that's probably an equal thirteenth. I think I think Kelly. Whether the waves are even if the waves are bad, let's say the waves are through. Two to three feet at snapper. No matter where, what the venue is in the world, if the waves are mediocre, I think he's got a round five finish in him. Like he could finish in round five, even if the waves suck anywhere. Now, if the waves are eight foot cloud break, he's the top contender. I think that's the key, right? That Pacific side of the of the tour. So make round cloud five, break, make round poo. five everywhere. That's your bare minimum result, right. and then win the key events in pumping waves. I think make, that's Kelly's. Make success. semis are better at. Snapper, yeah. at Cloud Break, at Chopu, at J Bay, yeah. But he can't be losing in round three. Even no. if the waves are two to three foot no. at lowers yeah. and at Snapper, he cannot be losing in no. those round three heats. No, and a lot of that could be the draw. What, that what the heat draw looks like for him. No, but it doesn't matter. Like he's good enough to make round five in all of those events. He's proven it. So, but these past couple of years, he's been losing in round three. You know, so that can't be happening. Yes. You're going to have to put the ukulele down, put the stop designing clothes, stop doing these art events. No art Venice events. Beach. Like what? <laughs> no, no surf rider things at Malibu. Kelly, we love you. You're all in. We dude. want you. We, we want, want you to focus. Win, we want the blinders on and then come on this show. We want steely determination. I thought you were going to preach for Steely Dan for a second. I, I was trying to find a segue to Steely Dan there. The ISA World Games in 2017, the significance of the WSL-sanctioned ISA event shows that these two organizations, the ISA and the WSL, are keen on working together towards a common goal, surfing success and as an Olympic event. That is a direct read from the press release about the WSL and the ISA working together, and they're going to have a team event, a nation-state team event in May in Biarritz, France. So, Biarritz. Biarritz. ISA and the WSL are joining forces. Right, and so there's going to be a team event, sort of like a, basically it's a test run for the Olympics. So the United States is going to have a team. Australia is going to have a team. This is going to be – look, there's ISA events every month. It seems yeah. like they're, they're everywhere, but this one's going to mean something. Well, here's why. Um, as we were talking about earlier with the Eddie event, WSL surfers are not allowed to compete in non-WSL sanctioned events. Right. 
without a special permit. Right. So they were for the Quicksilver event, for the Eddie event, because that was a special permit. The WSL stepping up and saying, look, we've got the Olympics coming up. We need to figure out how to get surfers into the Olympics or which surfers are allowed into the Olympics. The ISA, run by Fernando Aguirre, has been the biggest proponent for surfing in the Olympics. So they're best positioned to get athletes into the Olympic event. The WSL recognizes we would like some of our athletes to surf in the Olympics. So what do we do here? Well, the Olympics is in 2020. We're four years ahead. Let's partner with the ISA to figure out which surfers ultimately end up going into the Olympics. So the WSA or the WSL is joining forces with the ISA to host this event in Biarritz in May 2017 to start to figure out the format where yeah. these surfers compete against each other, but they're also representing their country. Well, I think the format's been been proven already by the ISA who has national championships every month, it seems. Yeah. What I love about this story is for years, Fernando's been... And by the way, I, I, have, I was listening to one of my old podcasts from 2008, and I have Fernando, and we're talking, and he's like... The Olympics, you know, he's like, the Olympics, and everyone's like, yeah, whatever, that'll probably never happen, you know, and, and Fernando is just a bull. He's just like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I even pegged him, I go, when do you think it's going to happen? And he goes, 2020. Really? Yeah, and this was in 2008. And what I love about this story and this press release is that for years, everyone's been kind of poo-pooing, oh, yeah, whatever, the Olympics, it'll never happen. And there, even if it does happen, Who's going to surf in it? The pro surfers don't give a shit. And there's been sort of this undertone of that. And even the WSL was like, nah, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Fernando's hard work paid off and surfing's in the Olympics. And for the first time in this relationship, Fernando gets to pick up the phone and go, hey, you might be interested in this. And the WSL's like, oh, by the way, yeah, we actually are now, you know? And so I find it fascinating that the power has shifted to Fernando. And I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm psyched. Why Beer Ritz? I mean, they, they scheduled the timing of the Beer Ritz event so that... It's right after the Quicksilver Pro. In yeah, so that uh, Q, uh, CT surfers can go ahead and surf this event if they want. Like, they will have the time to do it and they'll be located there. But... Is it after the Brazil event or after the French event? They moved Brazil, didn't they? In May. May's usually Brazil. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, it's... Yeah, so it is after the Brazil event. But the point is... The CT servers will have time to surf this event if they want to. It's freed up in their schedule. But my question is, why Beer Ritz? Like, um, I've been to Beer Ritz. The waves are okay. But that's not maybe like a world-class ma- Well, either it's Japan where the Olympics are being held. Good I mean, point. <laughs> you know, it's not like they're having it at J-Bay or anything. They should. Titans of Mavericks have gone gender equality on us. Cartel management operators of the Titans of Mavic suddenly announced that they'll be adding a six-woman heat along with $30,000 in prize money to this year's contest, um, which is versus next year, which they had been previously um, proposing. So cartel management, under increasing pressure from the California Coastal Commission, which had a hard time issuing permits for this event if they didn't have a women's division, and stipulated last year that the event makes steps towards uh, pre- creating opportunities for women to compete. Cartel just kind of went, you know what? We're going to make this happen sooner rather than later. This doesn't need to be a story. Let's. And by the way, the women deserve it. Let's get the women out there. They've. And by the way, also, 
I just found out the women have had their own little lobbying crew of Kayla Kennelly and Paige Alms and a couple of other women that have been, hey, man, you know, mm-hmm. kind of so, – so cartels getting it from a, b- a bunch of different corners here. You know, they're getting some pressure from the women surfers. They're getting pressure from the California Coastal Commission. How do you feel about the solution, though? I mean, if the problem is we need to include women in the event, do we just put them in with the dudes? Uh, their solution looks like it's six women, one hour, 30000 bucks on the line. They're doing one big women's heat. I mean, you know, part of me is like, if this is about equality, let's make it equal. Who said it's about equality? You did. Yeah, I you did. Know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not about I equality. Think, so the women aren't as good as the men. I think it's about equality equal opportunity to go out and showcase your talent, but not necessarily equal um, ability level in these waves of these conditions. You know what I mean? Right. Like the idea being that, yeah, right now we're not of the same ability, but if you give us a time and you start to give us the opportunity in 10 years, we may be able to infiltrate the lineup and it'll just be one event and there'll be women and men surfing together at Mavericks. You want equal opportunity to perform. That's what the equal yeah. part is. So how do you feel about that, though, just having that one-hour women's heat with 30K on the line as a viewer, as a fan of surfing? I think big wave surfing um, is fascinating on a bunch of different levels, and I don't think the gender of the person riding the wave has as much to do with my um, engagement. Yeah. and. Because really what we're looking at is, oh, my God, moments. And it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. Like well, These are huge 30-foot 30, 30 waves that are life-threatening. I, I totally agree. I think it's a great solution, though, to what we're talking about. Like, And I'll watch this heat because I don't know how a lot of these women surf out there. I haven't really seen a lot of footage of them out there. I've seen some stuff at Matt or at uh, Jaws with Paige Alm and Keala Kenley and stuff and Bethany Hamilton. But I don't know how these women surf out at Mavericks, and I do want to see it. Like, I'll watch this heat. Here's my question to you. Do you think that cartel management caved to this pressure? Or do you think that if none of this would have happened, if there was no pressure from the Coastal Commission and very little pressure or some pressure from the women, the cartel would have said, oh, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Or would cartel be like, nope, Mavericks is for men only. What's your gut feeling on that? I think... They would have done it anyways. Maybe not as quickly without the pressure, but I think this is a great, I mean, it's a marketing opportunity for them. This is a sellable asset for them. So they'd be foolish not to take advantage. There's women surfing out there on big swells. Why not showcase them? On the men's side of things at this event, Titans of Mavericks, which by the way, there could be a Maverick swell this week. Oh, really? There's a bunch of energy up in the Northeast Pacific right now. Hmm. Um Notables that got bumped from this event, Shane Dorian, Cole Christensen. Now, David, from a marketing move, this has got to be a bad call. You always want Shane Dorian in your event. He's the Kelly Slater of big wave paddling. And I do not understand how you cannot have Shane Dorian in your big wave serve contest. And, And my question to you then is, did eyeballs just leave the broadcast? Well, there'll be people who won't tune in because Shane Dorian is not in the event. Probably. I, it's not that they won't tune in. They won't get eyeballs that they would have gotten if Shane Dorian was in the event. Who would you rather see compete? 
Shane Dorian or Pat Shaughnessy, Matt Becker, <laughs> or Travis Payne? Shane Dorian. <laughs> okay. Now, that's not to that's say that Pat Shaughnessy, Matt Becker, and Travis Payne aren't all absolutely worthy because all of the guys, and in, including the alternates, of which Dorian is now an alternate, are have proven themselves worthy to surf in this event. Yeah, those guys are... But from a marketing yeah. standpoint... I want Shane Dorian in this event. You're an idiot not to have Shane. I can't even believe this is, that we're talking about this. Know, this blows crazy. my mind. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. So Pat Shaughnessy and those dudes are probably Mavericks locals, obviously, which is how they're they've gotten into the event. But Shane Dorian is. Do you know a who Travis of, Payne is? Shane Dorian's a local of the world. He He's a world's local. Anything? Yeah. No, I don't know who Travis Payne is. Well. That says a lot because Travis Payne placed second in this event last year as an alternate. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so, sorry, Travis. It proves my point that these guys are worthy. Yeah, totally. And I'm glad younger guys are getting a a spotlight and a chance to shine, but not at the expense of my enjoyment of this event, which is we all want to see Shane Dorian. This is the guy that kicked off the Jaws event with the most mind blowing drop that just basically had. Gary Linden and whoever else it was, Pete Melv, go, yeah, we're running. Let's run. Dorian just got a bomb. Kicked so, off the event before the event. It wasn't even in the That's event. my point. Yeah. Like He's the reason why they went, you know what, green light. Exactly. We just got saw Dorian get a... So I, I'm blown away that Dorian's not in the Titans of Mavericks. And I got to imagine that there was some infighting internally between Cartel, Griffin Gas, the... The so-called who are these guys called the like power of five or what they're mm-hmm. the five guys that make the decision on who's in it and I know that Jeff Clark's one of them I think Flea might be one of them yeah. I, I gotta have to, I'm gonna have to pick Jeff Clark's brain about this but um, some other men that are interest that are in the event this year that and that does interest me uh, or that do interest me I should say Kai Lenny so is Kai Lenny the substitute now for Shane Dorian. Is the new Shane Dorian? And does Kyle Lenity pr- bring more marketing balls than Dorian or the same amount of marketing pull? Interesting. Kyle Lenny is to John John Florence what Shane Dorian is to Kelly Slater. Exactly. It's the replacement. Nailed it. Huh. So yeah. I think that Kai's a pretty good replacement, but I and then I started to think, do you think Shane gave them some Shane's what, forty five? He's got kids. He's been the first to say, oh, my God, I almost died out there. Like, At yeah. some point, all of us go, you know what? I'm no longer a big wave surfer. Mm-hmm. And do you think that Shane Dorian gave some hints maybe to, that we don't – that I don't know about to the, like, hey, to the gang okay. of five? It's yeah. like, hey, you know what? If Kai's – if it's between Kai or me, give it to Kai. Like, I can yeah. see that happening, see that. you know? And then, of course, us not knowing about that and putting our, our feet in our mouth. And by the way, Shane has – uh, transitioned into bow hunting like he spends two weeks three weeks at a time in Colorado bow hunting not surfing at all you know so I think while Kelly Slater has transitioned into other interests in his life and a more diverse life Shane has as well I heard him interviewed on the Shane on the um, Joe Rogan podcast a few months back it's a two and a half hour interview with Shane Dorian I mean he talked for 10 minutes about surfing total in the two and a half hours, yeah, you know, like yeah. it's not the main focus of his life anymore, right? So that's interesting, and I wonder if was Joe Rogan trying to push the conversation yeah. back to surfing? So Joe was just letting it flow, yeah. however it did flow. Yeah, and Shane was more interested in talking about bow hunting. That's yeah. So that could be part of it. Yeah. Like it's time for him to just move on, and he's just kind of quietly doing it, and he let it be known. I'm yeah. assuming. I don't know this, but speaking of huge waves, mm. 
Nazareth. I'm going to Austin, Texas. <laughs> I'm going to go surf the Inland Surf Park. I've made my reservation. I'm very, very excited about it. I will be surfing um, in mid-November. At- I know. what You sent me that text. What prompted this? Why do you even want to? Well, I'm kind of fascinated by surf parks and for sure the surf park industry and the business of surf parks. As you know, I've been the MC for two years running at Surf Park Summit. And um, and why wouldn't you want to? Have you ever surfed a, a wave pool before? No, I haven't. But I watched the video and it looked like a lot of work. So you're telling me that if... If you if it was right in front of you right now, you'd be like, nah, that's cool. I'm going to go to the pier. If it was right in front of me, I'd surf it. But if I had to buy a ticket to Austin and go like make a trip out of it, I'd yeah. rather do a trip to Baja. Well, you can do both. I have limited time, limited resources. I can't do both. Here's the thing. I'm guaranteed 12 to 15 really long leg-burning right-hand, right-handers. I'm excited that you're going. Because I yeah. want the firsthand account, right? But I, I was curious. I was just like, "Wow!" I'm. I was surprised that you were going. Well, I did. I didn't. A friend of mine goes, "Hey, I'm going out there. Do you want to go with me?" Okay. And I'm like, and I just kind of like rolled my eyes. I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? Actually, I do. I do want to go experience that in my life. I, I want to have that life experience." So good. I'm glad it's you're more going. of a. It, I'm looking at it as like a life experience, a, a bucket list thing. It's not like I'm like sitting here going, "Dude, it's the best thing ever." Of course, of course, I'm not doing that, and that's. It's just going to be a part. Of my surf experience that's going to yeah. grow now. So Well, so it's interesting. Um, in the wake of Kelly Slater's wave pool and all the hype and all the amazing videos and people getting 30-second barrels, this Enlin wave park popped up kind of out of the blue. And I feel like I've – I don't know if they've invited a lot of professional surfers to just come surf it for free. Maybe they're paying them to do it. But it's like there's been an influx of – uh, Dylan Perillo and Michael Dunphy and a bunch of Albie Lay, like a bunch of professional surfers who I see posting Instagrams from there and very positively, like saying that they're having a blast going there. And I think Austin's a cool town to hang out in anyway that they wouldn't have gone to regularly. So they're going there, spending two or three days, they're having a blast, they're surfing little waves, and it's all good. And the Enlin Wave Park's getting a lot of marketing out of it because now I'm aware of it, which I wouldn't have been otherwise. But I did watch a six-minute video that Surfline produced with Michael Dunphy and Dylan Perillo, and the waves made me not want to go. Like it, they were doing a lot of pumping, a lot of adjusting, a lot of just trying to get like one good turn in on the wave. A lot of like speed checks and like, oh, I should hit the lip here. No, oh, I need to get more speed. And now I cut back, and it was. A- it sounds like an equipment malfunction to me. They didn't yeah. have the right equipment for the slopiness of the wave. Maybe. They're on their little chippy Maybe. five, ten, yeah. eighteen and a quarter inch wide dry fins. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I it don't is. think that's what I'm bringing. What are you going to bring? I'm going to bring a little Wayne Rich kind of tweener fish thing, you know, that's you know got a wide tail and, you know, a wider nose, a wider outline, you mm-hmm. know, like relaxed fit jeans. Nice. Yeah. Those are always stylish. Yeah. I don't um, care what they look like. I care about how they feel. Uh, <laughs> Elastic there's waistband. Such a, there's such a good headline here. Something about Scott advocates for uh, relaxed fit, elastic waistband jeans. Uh, By the way, Wayne's board are not like that. Wayne's boards are state of the art. So now I don't want to get in trouble with Wayne. Um, I'm just saying I love the feeling of this surfboard. So I'm going to bring it. Of course. How many waves did you say you're guaranteed to get? 12? 
I don't know if I'm guaranteed, but I did read um, on Surfer Magazine's uh, website this guy named Hilda, who's been on the forums there forever on the on the Surfer Magazine forums, and he lives in Texas, and he did a firsthand account of it, and I think he said he got four waves in an hour. Okay, and we have three hours worth of time that so we. So you purchased. buy hours of time. An hour is ninety bucks. Okay, so. $90 divided by four. That's, that's how much expensive. each wave's cost. That's expensive, dude. It's pricey. Yikes. But again, it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing here. You know, like I'm just – I'm doing it because yeah. it's not something I'll ever do again. Twenty-two you know? fifty a wave. And those three hours, are those all in one day? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And – is there a hotel on the property or what? I don't know where I'm staying yet. I got to okay. figure that out. Okay. You just bought three hours and a plane yeah. ticket. Yep. And are you, how many days are you staying for? I'm flying in, spending the night, waking up, surfing all day and flying home that night. Wow. That's kind of beautiful. That part of it's good. Yeah. In and out. Although I won't be able to experience Austin. Strike mission. And you got to pay for your boards. Yeah, they have boards there, twenty five bucks to rent. But I'm like, definitely not. No, no, no. Man, it's an expensive. Although it's Southwest, so I don't have to pay for boards on Southwest. I don't think. Really? I don't think so. Maybe, dude. So I mean, this is like more expensive than an Indo trip. No, it's not. (laughs) Per wave, it is. I mean, the total cost isn't. But if you break it down in like a twenty four hour turnaround per wave, it's an expensive trip, dude. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm. I've been uh, like it's like uh, I'm attempting to get it paid for through KPBS. I'm trying to get okay. the San Diego affiliate of NPR to let me do a story on it. Perfect. And I'm not sure if that's going to come I, to fruition or not. But I was just going to say, if you break it down, it's like a 24 hour experience. And what's your total expense going to be for the trip? You know, a thousand bucks. So it's a thousand dollars a day. Whereas you can go to Indo for less than a thousand bucks a day. No, a trip, a, a ticket to Indo is nine hundred bucks. It's really right. twelve hundred bucks with boards and yeah, insurance yeah. and travel and all that bullshit, right? right. So it's twelve hundred bucks just to get to Indo. Right. Now, if you stay in Bali, right, you need to rent a car. Yeah. Or, so less than a thousand bucks a day is my point. Oh, less than a thousand bucks a day. Yeah. Because yeah. this is going to cost you. That's what I'm saying. This is going to per day. Right, but I, I mean, I guess it's how you look for at 12 it. Twelve waves. I'm really. Doing my best to burst your bubble. Scott. No, no, it's okay. No, I've I've already done the math. I've already accepted the math. It's not pretty. I'm I'm not doubting that. No, but I'm glad you're doing it. I yeah. want to know. I, I, you will know. Every all of the listeners will know. They will, we will do a massive breakdown of the of the trip. Yeah. Um. Well, do you have musty moments, Dukes and Kooks, and all that? I'm gonna give you my musty moment. It's Ryan Birch in Fiji. Oh, that's so good. You, it is. Did yeah. you like it? Yeah. Okay. Good. I wasn't sure if you're gonna be annoyed by well, it. Well, I'm just a big fan of Ryan. I mean, he, okay, he grew okay. up where I grew up and I, I surfed, I surfed with him a lot and he's a really nice guy and it's just, I'm just stoked to see him succeed, you know? Well, he's definitely succeeding. I feel like this guy's got more hype around him than we've seen in a long time for a non-competitive surfer, you know? The thing is, he's actually a very good competitive surfer. Like when he was a kid, he was yeah. a pretty stellar competitor. In yeah. fact, for a long time, all he did was ride a shortboard. He yep. was like, Hot shortboarder kid, and then yeah. all of a sudden he just like. There was even a very short period of time when he was doing stand up for like 
a month hmm. <laughs> about 10 years ago. He was trying to stand up. But Interesting. I'm sure he won't admit to that. But Well, he's an undeniably talented human being and surfer. He, this, well, his dad was a super red hot surfer. His oh, dad was that. a super great regular foot surf. Lived on Maui, surfed Honolulu Bay. Oh, okay. Was I think he was even mentioned in Barbarian Days. Oh, uh, his dad. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I remember the Honolulu section in the book. I don't remember his dad's name. Though. It might be in there. Maybe I'm maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Well, but, it could have been in there, and I just didn't know that was his dad. Yeah. So this uh, video piece that Ryan Birch did, it's called Influent, and um, it's six minutes and eight seconds long. It takes place exclusively in Fiji with him riding a quiver of surf, a self-shaped quiver of surfboards. He, he gets sick, spit he, out of the barrel, like riding the foam ball, disappearing. Yeah. Like some, some sick rides. He obviously shapes his own boards. We that's, know that about him. He that's, rides yeah. a lot of asymmetrical surfboards. He rides fish. He rides big, long gliders. He rides, he rides anything. Everything. He's kind of like Rostovich, yeah. except that he makes his own boards. Yeah. Like Ryan can body surf those waves and mm-hmm. rip it. You know what I mean? Like this guy is a water person. What I like about Ryan is how casual his style is too, oh, yeah. you know, like he'll end up ripping a wave, but he never looks like he's ripping. He, that, like there's like a North casual. County Rob Machado very thing much. going on there. Yeah. And, and his stance is oftentimes really narrow. And so it looks like he's actually like, like potentially going to fall. Like he's not very stable, but he never, like he just, it's part of his style and it works for him. And he, the other thing I like about him is he draws very unconventional lines on waves He'll go high when you should go low, or when he doesn't surf for points. He surfs for pleasure, right? But there's a lot of guys who surf for pleasure that I've never seen draw the line, right? Because they're surfing for points. They're like, "This is no, no, no." I no, that's I think that those guys are like, "Oh, this is the way it's supposed to be done." Therefore, I do it. And Ryan's thinking is, "This is the way it feels good to do it." Therefore, I do it. Yeah, really, really interesting to watch though. And the boards look really narrow. Like even the the length of his foot standing sideways, it's like his foot's almost going off the nose, off the rails on either side. I think they are narrow, but, but they work for him. Yeah, you know, like I don't know, they're seventeen and a half inches wide. Like they're, they're pretty narrow. They're narrow, and he's a tall, skinny guy. He's probably weighs a buck fifty. Yeah, and he's like six three or something. But he will, like I said, go super high lines on really steep sections, or then fade when he should be running, and but always seems to surf the wave correctly and like you said gets very long deep i mean treacherous barrels that he looks so casual and cool in so i'm going to have a link to that video on surf splendor or uh, actually have it embedded on surfsplendorpodcast.com if you want to check out ryan birch in fiji we should all be checking out ryan birch and what he's doing um i've got a kook which is an unlikely kook but i want to just let people in on it um seal attack in what? in Australia. Uh-huh. This seal goes on a rampage and leaves <laughs> multiple surfers injured. He bit one dude in the shoulder and knocked another guy off a surfboard. People had to like block him with their surfboard. I see seals in the ocean all the time. I don't know if it's a seal or a sea lion, to be honest, most of the time, but I see them in the ocean all the time. I've never been concerned about them. They'll pop their head up right next to you because they're playful, almost like a dog is, and kind of swim around you and stuff, but I've never felt threatened oh, by no, them. You need to be very wary of those things. Have you ever been attacked? Not Have you ever attacked, heard of an attack? I, I've never been attacked, but I don't trust them. I don't. 
I mean, what are you going to do? I don't trust him either, but it's not like I can shame him and make him go away. <laughs> no. Like he's going to yes, complain. You, you can shame them. You, you've never shamed a seal? No. So my name point, of my new band, my, shame, shame, <laughs> Seal Shame. My point is I know that they're there, but it's like there's nothing you can do, but I've never felt scared by them. Oh, uh, you the never same way lifted that your toes out of the water? Yeah, but it's the same way dolphins show up and it's like, oh, they're around. I'll, maybe I'll lift my toes up for dolphins too, but I know they're not going to hurt me. Now I'm Seals, letting surfers yeah. know. They are. They, there was an attack. This one went on a rampage and attacked people in Manly Beach or at Shelley Beach in Manly, Australia. So um, I got a link to that story. That story was on Surfline.com. Kook of the week: Dolphins. Who knew? <laughs> no seals. Sorry, sorry, seals. Yes, seals. Thank you for listening. My Duke goes to a sur- two surfers actually in Ventura. Two young up-and-coming uh, NSSA surfers, one of whom I'm friends with. I did a trip with this kid, Mickey Clark, a couple years ago. Oh, Mickey Clark? Yeah, you know Mickey. Don't, don't know. Scott doesn't know anything other than the top <laughs> five surfers in the world. Um, Mickey Clark and Ethan Osborne actually helped save drowning kids. Oh, did cool. Did you see the video of this boat going into the lineup? I did. Wasn't that in Florida? No, this was in Ventura. Oh, I thought that was in Florida. Some idiotic boat drivers who had their kids on the boat with them came into the lineup and actually caught a wave and the wave capsized the boat. And there was a filmer on the beach who actually caught this all on video. So the boat tips, full yard sale, people are scrambling but there were young kids on the boat so mickey clark the surfer that i know and ethan osborne who are in the water just surfing paddled over put the kids on the board paddle them into safety on the beach everybody survived but it was a crazy crazy spectacle oh, well good for them my must-see moment is tom curran at kelly slater's wave pool yeah good call. I'm sure a lot of people have seen this i think it was probably on Surfline, and it's on uh boardroomshow.com right now if you go there and uh, Curran proves why he, including Kelly Slater, everybody looks up to Tom Curran. That guy is this, the, the greatest surfer in the world. So rad. Such good style. It's ridiculous. Yep. And um, what was he riding? He was riding one of Kelly's boards. Sweet. A Slater Firewire thing. Yeah. It had the Slater designs on it, and it was a short little kind of Tomo-inspired looking board. Yeah. And he was absolutely ripping. And... Uh, that's what I hope to be doing in Inland Surf Park. <laughs> we'll see. Anything well, Scott, else, boss? Yeah, I think uh, remind people, make a $5 monthly donation to this podcast. Keep it going. You can do that on surfsplendorpodcast.com or boardroomshow.com. All right. The link. Until then. Until two weeks. Until two weeks. Don't forget to donate. And uh, thanks for listening. Adios and aloha. Technology supposed to make for better living. Are we better human beings? We've got our Again, surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you go to find everything that we discussed in this episode. And I'm going to actually be headed up to Central California for the next couple of days. I'm going to further test those two new Roger Hines surfboards. So you can find images of that 
on Instagram at Surf Splendor, and then that'll help me round out my full surf report for the next episode when I get back together with Roger. I'll break it down. All right, super excited. Fresh Boards is uh, whew, it's revitalizing for your surfing. It's got me psyched to travel, to get in some cold water, and to uh, just to surf again in general. And also, I'll be recording a couple of podcasts on this road trip as well. And that is made possible by your generous donations. So, look at that. We've got one week of donations under the belt, and we're already putting it to use. Thank you, and um, until next week. I'm going to be back next week with an episode that is an interview with surfboard shaper Mark Andrini. Somebody that people have been asking about for a long time, and I'll be honest, I just really didn't know that much about him. I've crossed paths with him a number of times. He's always at Scott's boardroom shows, and so I've seen his boards here and there, but there's just not a lot of information available about him on the internet, but he seems to be in everyone's awareness, and uh, and he's very highly regarded by all. Everybody kind of venerates him, and so... I was really excited to actually get to know him better, and the information that I got and the conversation that we had, I thought was completely exceeded my expectations in terms of, um, you know, who he is and what he's done, but also just in terms of being enjoyable to participate in. And I think that it was a really just interesting conversation, insightful, so... I really appreciate Mark for participating in that, and you can look forward to that next week. So about one week from when this is being recorded. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, get out of here, get to bed, so I can head out on my road trip tomorrow. All right, so until next week, this is your host for Surf Splendor. My name is David Scales. I'm wishing you a wonderful week and reminding you to get out in the ocean, get a couple waves, and shred on.